everybody. Uh, hope you had a wonderful Christmas and New Year's. And, uh, you know, just glad to be able to have the time myself to, to be with family and just uh, ready to, you know, get into 2020. I'm excited about our new series, our New Year's series called Every Day. And in this series, we're going to learn from the master teacher, Jesus Christ, how to live for God every day this coming year. And we're going to seek God. We're going to ask him to um, teach us and help us understand how to live the very best kind of life we can with him and for him in 2020. Well, in 1989, there was a guy that was rummaging through a bunch of old stuff at the Lancaster County Antique Mall in Reading, Pennsylvania. And he came across this kind of ragged old painting that caught his eye. It wasn't really the painting itself because it was, it was terrible looking, but it was the frame. He wanted that, so he paid $4.00. Ford took it home, took the painting out, began to take the wood uh, backing off uh, as well. But he noticed tucked uh, between there was a folded document. And curiously, he just opened it up. And, and what he saw was in almost pristine condition, an original copy of the Declaration of Independence. He wasn't sure exactly what he had in his hands, but he figured it was probably worth more than $4. So he, he took it to a, a dealer in rare manuscripts, and the first thing the dealer said was, unbelievable, there's only 24 of these in the world. And so this guy, in August of 2000, ended up selling his copy of the Declaration of Independence at a New York City auction for $8.14 million. Uh, not, not a bad return on that $4 investment there. You know, what we're, what we're going to hand you in this New Year's series is something that's very old, very familiar to many of us. In fact, it's so familiar to uh, many of us that we not only have it in our possession, but we could probably recite a, a good bit of it, if not, if not all of it, from memory. I'm talking about what is, what is known as the Lord's Prayer or the Model Prayer. And yet, I think probably most of us have overlooked much of the tremendous treasure that is contained in this picture that Jesus gives to us. In these 66 words, Jesus provides for us really an overall picture of how to, to live every day of your life for God and with Him. And so in this New Year's series, we're going to discover something that is probably familiar to, to many of us here, so familiar that we've, we've taken it for granted, but it is just filled with incredible value. And so we're going to unfold this treasure over the next six weeks and just word by word, phrase by phrase, work ourselves through it. And I think what we'll see is it's just filled with a wealth of help for us and how to live the very best kind of life in 2020 and beyond. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus, after praying, has one of his disciples have this idea. Would, what if Jesus taught us how to pray like he prays? And they've been watching the Lord now for a while, studying his life. They, they'd seen how he, he had a connection with God unlike anything they'd ever seen. And, and they began to connect the dots in such a way that, that they realized that prayer marked the life of Jesus. That he prayed, and then the way in which he lived, there was just this, 
this grace, this love and compassion, this, this wisdom, this sense of mission and direction, this, this spiritual power and authority. And we prayed and wonderful things happened. And so, again, one of the disciples, the Scripture doesn't identify which one, after Jesus prays, just has the insight to ask the question, Lord, would you teach us to pray like you pray? My guess is he'd been kind of setting them up to ask that question. I, I think he probably had been <clears throat> living, seeking you know, intentionally to, to show them the importance of, of prayer through, through his example and kind of bringing them to this, this moment of teaching. For in these 66 words, Jesus doesn't really provide them with a, you know, words that are to be recited. What, what he does is he opens the door up to life with God, how to live life with God every day. And I don't think that's an overstatement. I think what we have here in these 66 words is one of the greatest treasures that has ever been given. It's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, but it could also be called the student's prayer because he gives it to his students to his apprentices, to you and me, if we want to learn from the master teacher how not just to pray, but, but how to live every day. The prayer is found in both Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6. It begins this way. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now there are two main statements in this opening part of the prayer that I want us to focus on this morning. But before we even get there, I just want to highlight a couple of words that I think speak to us about how to live this coming year, how to live the very best life we can this coming year. And the first word I want to highlight is the first word of the prayer, our. Our Father. It's not, it's not my Father. It's our Father. Jesus, from the very beginning here, teaches us that the way in which we are to approach life and live life is that it is to be a shared life, you see. That the way in which we pray and the way in which we live, we're to be focused on the well-being of, of the people around us. Life is not about me and God. It's about us and God. And so we learn here from the opening word of this picture that Jesus paints for us in these 66 words about the importance of, of others and the way in which we pray and the way in which we live. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful understanding about the life that God calls us to. And so you'll see as we go through the prayer that he uses the pronoun us throughout the prayer. Not the pronoun me, but us. The other word I want to highlight then is the word heaven, our Father in heaven. What does Jesus mean by heaven here. The Bible uses the word heaven in a variety of ways. For instance, in Acts chapter 1, it talks about how when Jesus had finished his time after the resurrection of, of being with the disciples, he ascends up into the sky before their eyes. Two angels come and speak to the disciples. Let me read to you what they say to them. Men of Galilee, the angels say, why are you standing here staring at the sky? Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. One way the Bible describes heaven as being a place that in Jesus we're able to look forward to with great anticipation while here on earth. Revelation 21.4 says about that place, there won't be any more pain. I've talked with, with several people out in the lobby this morning about different aches and pains and difficulties. Those will be gone. No more pain, 
no more crying or mourning, no more, no more death. So it's just this wonderful place that, that in Christ we're able to anticipate and find inspiration for. But the Bible also describes heaven or uses the word heaven in such a way where it is the, it's referring to the atmosphere. It's referring to just the stuff that's all around us, you know. The, you know sometimes somebody will say, you know, boy, that, that just came right out of thin air, you know. There was just right there and it appeared and just this, this sense of being close and nearby. I think this is how Jesus uses the word here. In fact, he uses the plural form. So literally what Jesus says here at the beginning of the prayer is our Father in the heavens. And so we learn here that God is not in some, you know, far away galaxy, you know, but he is closer to us than the very air that we breathe. He's right near us. Wherever you go in 2020, you can know God is right beside you. He is, he is near. That changes how you live. When you have that understanding to know I, I'm not alone. God is with me. So among just the opening words here of the prayer, the word our calls us out of self-centeredness in the way in which we approach the year. And then the word heaven lets us know whatever I deal with this coming year, wherever I am, God is with me in the unseen spiritual realm. He is, he is close. He is by me. In fact, if Jesus is your Savior, he's even closer than that in your life. He, he has promised to live within you through the Holy Spirit. So with that, those couple of words in mind, then let's begin to really dive into the first main phrase here as Jesus answers the question not just you know how, how do we pray but really how do we live our father that is the most unique opening line in the history of prayer our father when you use a name or you use a, a word for someone you are describing that relationship, including the level of closeness that you have in that relationship. If it's a formal relationship, you might use the word Mr. or, or Mrs. or Ms. to refer to someone. If it's a, a friend, you would call them by their first name. If it's a close friend, you might even have a nickname. And if it's a family member, there might be a pet name that you have that kind of just speaks to the specialness and the uniqueness of that relationship. There's only three people on earth that call me Father. And when I hear that name, when I hear that word, that gets my attention probably quicker than anything. Father or Dad. I'm going to put a picture up. This is a collage, actually, of pictures I got from my kids on a Father's Day, obviously several years ago. Uh, they're <laughs> much older now, but I love that picture. I've, I've got it in my office. I see it every day when I come into work. But when I get a phone call or I get a text message and I see or I hear the word dad or I hear the word father, everything then in that communication that happens occurs within the context of that relationship represented by the word father. A context, a relationship that is stronger than steel. And whatever it is that one of my children have to say to me whether it's a request that they're making, maybe something that needs to be confessed or, or just anything else, 
I receive in the context of that relationship that I have with him, that very special relationship with those three people to whom I am called Father. There was never a time in recorded history before Jesus when anybody prayed to God and called him Father. Now, there's a record in the Old Testament of, of the image of a father being used to describe God before, but never before had anyone prayed in this way before Jesus. In fact, he uses the word Abba, which is not exactly like our word daddy. It's more of an adult word, but it's a very tender word. Abba, our, our father. And again, there's nowhere in recorded history where anyone has prayed to God in, in this way as calling him father before Jesus did. And he invites you and me to pray to God and to be in relationship with God in this way as well as our Father. It's incredible. Now, I I have a caring, loving, earthly Father. That may not be your story. And so the term Father for you may conjure up actually a negative image. I want to share with you a story that I think illustrates the level of devotion, the level of love that Jesus had in mind as he was teaching his students. Here's how you can approach God as your father. It's from Patrick Morley's book, The Man in the Mirror, where he tells a true story about three men and a 12-year-old boy who were fishing in Alaska. And after a day of salmon fishing in a secluded bay, they they get in a little plane to take them back to where they were staying. But there's a crash that happens soon after. They take flight and everybody survives the crash. But as as the plane begins to sink into the icy waters there, they, 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 gotta, they pray together real quick and they, then they just begin to swim, begin to try to swim against the fierce riptide. Two of the men are very strong swimmers. They get to the shore. The third man who is the father of the 12-year-old boy, sees his son is unable to swim against that strong current, so he goes back and, and, and grabs him, but, but he himself is not able to, to swim you know, with, with his son enough, with enough strength to, to be able to uh, swim against the current. And so he's, you know, he, he can make it on his own, but he's unwilling to leave his son, and so he just cradles his son in his arms and uh, the two are swept out to sea. And I think that that true story illustrates the level of devotion that Jesus has in mind when he says, you know, here's how you pray. Here's how you live. Our Father. Now, of course, the difference in the story that I just shared with you and the story of your life and my life in Christ is that, you know, God doesn't die with us He died for us so that we can live with him every day. In 2020, you just every day want to pray and you want to live with according to this incredible truth that's represented by the words, our father. The the words our father basically mean means God loves me. When you as you follow Jesus, the word father really sums up your everyday relationship with God. 
that, that as you know God as, as your Father, what, what you're acknowledging is that at the very center of the universe, there's not only this almighty power, this, 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 this being, this person who rules over the heavens and the earth, but he is somebody who sees you and loves you like one of his kids. Incredible. Carry these scriptures with you every day into 2020. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus said that the night before he did that very thing. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Knowing that and living with that will change your every day. I put up a picture of my three kids here a moment ago. Of course, they're adults now, 22, 25, 29. One of the really challenging things as your kids get older is you just have less and less opportunity really to try to protect them, to try to kind of watch over and care for them. And so when we got word that baby Mila, you know, our, our, our Renee's daughter, our granddaughter, was born with this seal, this you know, this sack where her, her liver and intestines are. Um, and, and I will say she is back in the NICU because she wasn't getting enough, enough food. And, and um, so she's doing well, but appreciate prayers for Mila. But I not only had great concern for my, my granddaughter, I had great concern for Renee, my daughter. But I know that God is my father and he loves me. So I can bring that concern to him every day. Sometimes we'll have some pretty long conversations about it. Sometimes not as long. But because I know God and that he, that he loves me, that he is my father, I can bring that concern and I can release to him the matter that is just so far beyond my control, but not beyond his control. And as I do so, then I'm able to experience and receive an encouragement, a peace, a comfort, and a, and a strength that I can then pass on to my daughter, and I can pass on to my son-in-law, and to my wife, and I can take into my own life and have a sense of peace of mind and, a, and an outlook on this matter, you see. This is... This is what it means to live. This is, this is the, the joy and the blessing we, we receive from living with this beginning to the prayer. Our Father, that God would love us so much that we could know Him as our Father. It just all centers around this wonderful truth that Jesus begins the prayer with. Now, before we go to the second main statement that he makes here that we're looking at this morning, I just want to drill down a, another moment on this because I just want to make sure that you get this first most important part of how, how to live. And so I want to represent God's heart to you that when you come to him and, and you say, 
our Father, God responds by saying, this is my daughter that's come to me. This is my son that has reached out to me. I love it when you call me Father. God's heart. He says, I I love it when you set aside time to speak to me about whatever it is that is on your heart. Sometimes we may talk together, God says, about sorrowful matters in your life. Other times it might be quite joyful things that we talk about. Maybe you'll have a request or a confession. It doesn't really matter. I just invite you to come to me, God says, about whatever it is. Nothing's too big. Nothing is too small. I just love to be with you. I love to these moments when you come to me in prayer because I love you. This is the heart of God, you see. When we come to him as our father. Every day in 2020, you just want to start your day right here. Our father, because God loves you. The master teacher says, here's how you pray. Really, here's how you live. You've been following my example. You've been watching my example. here's, Here's how you do it. Our father in the heavens, all around, hallowed be your name. I was reading in the the family circus comic strip that one of the one of the kids was trying to recite the Lord's Prayer and he was like, Our Father who art in heaven, how did you know my name? He he, he said, not quite hallowed. Hey, we don't use that word much. It means to ascribe the appropriate value to something. Hallowed, to 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 give the honor due someone or, or, or something, to, to recognize the worth of something or someone. Last fall, we did a series called The Real God. If you recall, we, we looked at some of the core attributes of God, who he, who he really is. We started with it, he's good. And I think that is a great foundation for truly understanding God. He's good to the core of his being. God is intrinsically good. He will be good in every way that he relates to you. He is good. We learned that he is wise. Every decision he makes, every judgment God makes will be what is best. We learned that he is sovereign. He does rule and reign over all things. Nothing occurs without his awareness and at least his, his permission. That means then, as our father, nothing is too difficult for our dad. We learned that he is uh, holy. And what comes to my mind when I think about that attribute of God is that he is superior in every meaningful way. You think of any meaningful way there is in life. Compassion, kindness, purity, mercy, I mean, whatever you want to think of. God is higher. He's much greater than we are in every way. He is holy. We learn that he is just. And so one thing that means is that we will each one day stand before him and give an account of our lives. We should live every day accordingly. We also learn that he is love. We're talking about that some more as we begin this New Year's series. But one thing we emphasized in, in that fall series about what does it mean that God is love is, is so important. It's this, that in his system of justice, he has provided a substitute. He didn't need to do that to be a just God. He did it because he is He is love. And so the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was a substitutionary death. He took our place, paid our price, the penalty for our sin, 
and disobedience that we might be able to be forgiven and be in a father-child relationship with God every day forever, you see. And then we learn he is faithful. You can trust him to take care of you. You can trust him. He is good. He is faithful to every promise that he makes. He is reliable. You can count on him. This is the real God. This is the God who is, catch this, our Father. What does he do? What honor does he do? He's due our worship and praise. I'm so glad that you're here this morning worshiping God. He, he is due our service, our obedience. He, he is due our full devotion. So every day in 2020, here's how you want to live. You want to live with this commitment, this commitment that says, hallowed be your name, God, which is really basically saying, I love you, God. When Jesus says, what is the greatest commandment in all of the Bible? What is the greatest way that we can honor God with our lives? This is what he had to say. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus is like, here's how you are to live. Love God. That, let that be the focus and aim of your life. He loves you. You love him in return. This is what it means to worship God and hallow Him, that we love Him with all of our heart and soul and mind and, and all of our strength. Sometimes this is, you know, this is fairly easy for us. It's, you know, life is good. We've had a good night of sleep. It just, you know, things seem brighter and, and it's kind of easy and natural for us to, to love God. But other times it's extremely hard. It doesn't come naturally. It's a choice of the will, you see. It's a commitment of faith where we say, I'm going to focus on God, who He is, and love Him. And so I, I don't know what 2020 holds for you. I hope this coming year is just a smooth, positive year for you. You know, kind of, kind of just, just easy and joyful to walk through, but if it's not at times, I want to equip you with a story of how do you honor and hallow the name of God in those times because it's the best way to live. It's from uh, the story of Habakkuk. He's a prophet that God speaks to the, the people of Israel through and he's, he, he is ministering at a time of devastation among the land. Everywhere he looks, nothing is going the way that he had, and the people had hoped. And so in that context, let me just read to you from Habakkuk 3, the story. This is what he says. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Now let me just, before we go on, you know, share with you, we need to keep in mind this is an agricultural society that they live in. So what he's describing here is total ruin, total devastation. It's just a hopeless circumstance. There's just nothing that, that, that's left. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, just listen closely to where he goes. This is so moving. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. You see, in the midst of this devastation, Habakkuk says, I choose to worship and love God. My hope is not in the produce. My hope is not in the, the flocks and the herds and the financial assets. My hope is in you, God. You are sovereign. I rejoice in you, my Lord. 
My joy is in you, God, you see. This is how we hallow or honor God when life is hard. And I'm not in any way saying that there's not a place to mourn and grieve loss and pain. Absolutely there is. Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says there is a time to mourn. But there's also a time where we say in faith that, that nothing can separate me from the love God has for me in Jesus Christ and the love that I have for him. Though I am unemployed right now, though I am going through a divorce right now that is very painful, though I did not have the parents or, or my spouse or, or my, my, my friends are not who I, I had hoped they would be, you know, though I have cancer, I will rejoice in you, Lord. You are my strength. You are my hope. I honor you. I love you. You are my Father. Take a look at this. When God's love and honor begin to shine through my life, no matter where I am or what I am doing, I will be an everyday worshiper. Let's make that our target for 2020. Every day to just be a, be a worshiper. And I have up here with me a couple of pieces of duct tape to sort of illustrate what this looks like. So on one piece of the tape, it describes just the kind of events that come in a typical day for us. Waking up, eating, going to work, taking the kids to activities, friendships, church, these kinds of everyday type of activities that we have. And then on the other piece of tape, it lists some of the core character attributes of God, that he is good, that he's sovereign, that he's holy, he's wise, he's just, he's loving, he's faithful. And so what we want to do in 2020 each day is we want to, we want to, I'm going to try to tape these together. We want to connect our life to God. It's not going to be perfect. We'll need some grace. <laughs> but <laughs> as we do so, you see, we will be an everyday worshiper as we have our meals and go to work and drive around and get together with friends and come here to our church family and just go through every day as we reflect the goodness of God, our hope in his, his uh, love and his, his authority as being sovereign, as we trust in his, his holiness and his wisdom his faithfulness to us will we'll be an everyday worshiper. As we, as we reflect to the people who are in our life, you know, wherever we are, and there's an integrity about us, a, a sameness about us, wherever we are, that, that helps point people to the real God, to, to see God themselves, that he's good, that he's, he's just and he's holy and he's almighty and he's faithful and he's loving. We will be an everyday worshiper. This is how we not only pray, but we live out the first part of the prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Next week, we're going to look at the next phrase in this overall picture of life that Jesus gives to us. It's the part where he says, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're going to learn 
from our master teacher, the Lord Jesus, next week, that heaven is not just a place that we have to look forward to, to give us comfort and strength, that, that after we die, that because of our faith in Jesus, we can look forward to, that every day we're able to partner with the Holy Spirit in a way that actually begins to really bring heaven down to earth right now. That we, we can be a part of this mission and this, this wonderful adventure with God of, of, of heaven being, being, you know, coming down to earth right now because Jesus has said, you know, the kingdom of God is near. And so it's just an exciting, again, part of the overall picture of how to live life to the very fullest. I would say each of these six parts really fit together perfectly as a, as a puzzle for the overall picture of what you're going to want 2020 to be like. And so in the way in which you live, so if you miss next Sunday, you, you're not going to be able to be here, I would say come Thursday night because Thursday nights, you know, we're doing the same message and teaching that we do the next Sunday because I think you're going to want to have each of the the parts here that Jesus gives to us in this overall picture. But I want to wrap this first part up with a story that I think illustrates well the father-child relationship and experience of life that we're able to have with and for God. Bruce Wilkinson tells the story in his book, The Prayer of Jabez. He tells about when his, his little boy, David, was a preschooler, and he took him to the park one afternoon, and his son was having a lot of fun in the tunnels and, and on the swings, but he kept eyeing this really tall slide that some teenagers were going down. And so eventually his curiosity got the best of him. He just went over there, and he mustered up the courage to go about the first third of the the ladder there, but then he froze, and he just, he just was in fear. He couldn't go down. He couldn't go up. He was just stuck. One of the teenagers got behind him and was like, hurry up, hurry up, you know, and so he calls out, Dad, will you go down the slide with me, you know? It's too big for me. I need your help, Dad. Let me read this. Bruce said, I climbed up, grabbed him in my arms, took him up that ladder. I put him on my lap, wrapped my legs and arms around him, and we came zipping down that slide, laughing and squealing the whole way. He writes this. This is what your father's hand is like. You tell him, Father, please do this in me because I can't do it alone. It's too big for me. And then you step out in faith and you do and say things that, that could only come from his hand. And afterward, then your spirit is shouting, God did that. Nobody else. God carried me. God gave me the words. God gave me the power. And it's wonderful. See, This, this is what life is like. When we live out this first part of the prayer, our Father in the heavens, hallowed be your name. Just every day in 2020, live in a way that says, thank you, God, for being my Father and for loving me. I love you. I honor you for the good and great God that you are. Let's go to him in prayer. We are excited, Father, to consider what you have in store for us in 2020 that is that comes from just our knowledge of you 
the more we come to understand you and, and know you, the more we, we are drawn toward the light and the, and the life that is true life, that is found in knowing you through our Savior Jesus as our Father, knowing that you are with us always. We don't, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be worried. We're able to go into each day with, with peace, with joy, with anticipation. Thank you for loving us. And we want to say on this first Sunday of the year, we love you. I'm grateful for every person here in the room who has said, here's how I want to begin my year. I want to seek God. I want to worship him. I know you're pleased with that. And I pray that every day that will be the message that our life, our lives speak. That we want to honor you and worship you. Be an everyday worshiper for you are worthy. You are good and you are great. And we give, we give our lives to you. We give this year to you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your name be honored and glorified. As we pray this prayer to you and seek you in the name of our Savior, Jesus. And everybody agreed and said, amen.